Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. You've all heard of the Loch Ness Monster, but that's a weakling compared to what comes out of North Korea. And then we take a look at a bizarre tale of ghost activity from old-timey England. Was a man really pursued all over town by the demon of Sprayton? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dad Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and then get started with our episode. First off, we're going to give a shout out to one of our legacy Patreons, someone who's been supporting the show for a long time. I got to say thank you to Steroids and Crack Cocaine. Steroids and Crack Cocaine. Thank you so much for supporting the show. You have kept me up all night, kept me working hard. You made me sell my car. For steroids and crack cocaine. I wonder if, can you get addicted to steroids? Hey, Jamie, look that up. Pull that up on the view screen. I want to see if we can get addicted to steroids. Is that possible? I, I, you might be able to get addicted to the, like, the benefits of steroids, but I, I, I'm not, you notice I'm not asking that question about crack cocaine. Oh, you know what? Speaking of that, so longtime listeners of the show, i.e., if you've been listening for just the past few weeks, have learned that I've become addicted to the subreddit about drugs um there's subreddit for opioids and there's subreddits for heroin i found a subreddit for pcp doesn't get updated that often because i think everyone's on pcp let's go ahead and actually they'll get started with the episode steroids i was trying to think why did i go off on that tangent i forgot our patreon guys steroids and crack cocaine let's fire up that carpenter copter we are headed out to north korea now we're in stealth mode obviously the Hermit Kingdom does not like visitors, especially ones from the United States, who aren't named Dennis Rodman. We're flying out there now. Tip of the hat to Stealthy Steve. Stealthy Steve is the one who brought up the whole idea about North Korean cryptids and got me walking down this path as it is. So again, thank you so much for helping out with North Korea Week, which is what this is. We're headed out. Bring that helicopter low, steroids. We're flying over a giant lake. It actually sits on the border of China and North Korea. And it's a crater lake. So it used to be like a big old volcano or something, a mountain, regular old mountain that got hollowed out, a bunch of beavers came in, and then crashed in. Or is a crater lake when an asteroid hits the Earth and makes a big crater? I'm pretty sure it's when a volcano collapses. Actually, I'm 100% sure in this case because there's something else that involves a volcano, but crater lakes in general, I think, can be either one, right? But anyways, it has nothing to do with it. Bring the helicopter down. We are flying down to Heaven Lake. 
That's what it's called. Very, very sweet. Now, there's an old-timey legend. It's not that old. It's just a couple decades. But Kim Jong-il, previous ruler of North Korea, Kim Jong-un's father, legend has it. Imagine having a legend that's just like 40 years old. But I guess, you know, that's what they do. Legend has it that Kim Jong-il was born at Heaven Lake. And it's interesting because they want to keep tying the current North Korean regime into old legends of the Three Kingdoms. So they can say that North Korea is the best Korea, that this is Korea. South Korea is some sort of bastardization. They need to be reunified because we keep finding all this proof. These old kings are related to the North Korean rulers. So it's no surprise that Kim Jong-il's birthplace is supposedly a place called Heaven's Lake. And when he died, the lake was frozen over. Not like he died and the ice went froze, because that would just be creepy. No, no, no. It was already frozen. He died. And then the ice cracked, quote, so loud, it seemed to shake the heavens and the earth. The globe itself mourned for the death of Kim Jong-il, producer of the Godzilla movie, Pulgasari. That was yesterday's episode. We talked about the monster movie that the director was kidnapped to make. It was a Godzilla movie, Godzilla knockoff. It was a good movie. Forgot to add this detail. The special effects are really good. The movie came out in 1985. The special effects are really good. They're so good because Toho Studios actually worked on it. See, what happened was some people at Toho were given a job offer to make a movie in China. They said, sure, and they hopped on a plane. The plane landed in North Korea, and they're like, oh, no. They meet a director who, at this point, a lot of people assumed was kidnapped. Some people believe he went over there normally, but Toho Studio employees are like, well, what are we going to do? We're here. So they made these special effects. It's a really good rubber suit. Actually, there's a shot of the ending of Pulgasari, and he looks terrified, and that's the first time I've ever seen a Muppet look that scared. Very, very good work on Toho Studios' part. They were allowed to leave after the movie was done. The director and his wife had to escape, but if you guys are interested in that, you didn't hear yesterday's episode, check that out. If you didn't, that's fine. We're not going to talk about it anymore. The lake. The lake. We are at Heaven's Lake. Now, Loch Ness Monster, Monster in the Lake. Then there's like Bessie and Ghosty and Moochie and all this stuff. There's always some stupid named monster and some stupid lake. I don't like lake monsters. They're lame. Oh no, I saw a log. You know, you want to know what the Loch Ness Monster was? When I tell you this, it's totally going to ruin that famous photo. It's an elephant taking a bath. That... Famous photo from a long time ago, like the 20s or whatever. There's the lump, and then there's the neck, and it's an elephant taking the bath. 100%. That's what it is. There was a circus in town at time. It's an elephant taking a bath. But anyways, Loch Ness Monster, I I used to believe it was real. I don't believe it's real. That photo is not a monster. It's an elephant taking a bath. So, I'm not a huge fan of it. But this lake, Heaven Lake, we're not talking about one lame neck monster with the it actually looks like an elephant trunk. No, dude. North Korea brings it for real. In 2007, there's footage. Blurry footage. The only kind of footage of cryptids. But a Chinese cameraman takes footage of six separate monsters swimming around. For 20 minutes, he was videotaping this thing. Six monsters swimming around in the lake. Six. <laughs> Loch Ness. There, one sighting, well, I should say this. So there's six of those. In all, in total, in this lake, 20 different sea monsters, not 20 different sightings, 20 different sea monsters have been seen in this lake. One of them had a four-foot-long neck, which isn't that impressive, really. I mean, that's the neck's not even as big as I am. But anyways, that's not impressive. 
What is impressive, I guess a four foot long neck is impressive on something that's not a giraffe, but its head looked like a human's head. That's creepy, right? Just like you're watching this giant creature from the past, giant four inch long neck, and then your neighbor Barry's head on it. That's spooky. In 1962, a bunch of people were hanging out at Heaven Lake. Hundred people, to be precise, apparently. Hundred, maybe there were two hundred people, and only hundred people saw this. But a hundred people saw this. Two sea monsters <laughs> floating around, and a dude's like, "Wait a second. He pulls out his telescope. They're chasing each other. What? That's spooky, right? Again, see, that's the thing. Like, I like the. I know you guys might sound like I'm being super sarcastic. Sea monsters just float. Sea monsters are fine. Like giant squids, monsters in the ocean. I'm fine with that because those are probably real. But you go to the Loch Ness and you see a monster pop up. It, their entire economy is based around tricking people into thinking that there's a creature there. So, of course, they're going to believe it. Just like if there was a town that can make money off the Blair Witch, they're going to tell you the Blair Witch is real. But anyways, big old monster. Even if there was a monster in Loch Ness. <laughs> so? Like, it doesn't do anything. It just floats there. It just floats around. You're like, Jason, it's a dinosaur. It would prove so much stuff about science and evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So would a book. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's a big old sea monster floating around in a lake. That's not impressive to me. Is it eating? This is my first question. Is it violent? Is it eating people? First off, first question, is it real? And if it's real, what does it do? And they're like, well, it only eats kumquat. Well, then it's stupid. That's a stupid... That might be an interesting thing for you, nerd. But as far as, like, a sea monster goes, that's that's not even a monster. Monster implies violence and or terror. Right? Now, rhinos, I would consider a monster. I mean, they're technically a real-life animal, but I'm not going to go anywhere near rhinos and stuff like that. But I would much rather, if someone said, do you want to go and see... Two rhinos fighting. Like, you physically be there. But they're in a cage. It's like a UFC cage match. There's two. Would you rather see two rhinos fighting or a lame, waterlogged dinosaur? You see the tip of his eyeball. What would you choose? What would you choose, right? You choose the two rhinos. Unless you were lame. So anyways, these guys are chasing each other. See, Heaven Lake, I would be. it would be cool to go there. I mean, if I wasn't going to, like, become a political prisoner or be forced to make movies. But... I wouldn't mind going to Heaven Lake because your chances are higher. There's 20 different monsters. They're fighting each other. And this is something Loch Ness never did. This is something Nessie never did. In 1903, it was the first sighting. The creature, one of them, because again, there's 20 different ones. This buffalo, buffalo, okay, they already look freakish. It runs out. There's three people hanging out on the beach. Just enjoying their time in 1903. They're like, oh, this is so nice. There's nothing else to do. But just sit here because there's no television, no internet, nothing. And then a buffalo shaped creature jumps out of the lake onto land, roars, which is interesting and a little suspicious because there would be no reason for a sea creature to roar. But, anyways, it roars, whatever. I guess I can accept the idea that there's monsters in this lake, but not that they could roar. It jumps out, it roars. It begins charging these people. Now, again, it's 1903. There may not be anything to do, but everyone's got a gun. It's the good old days. And a dude straight up, pop, 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 puts six bullets in this creature's belly. And then just turns and swims back into the water. 
That is a monster story. I don't want to hear about Loch Ness. You want to know what the very first... This has become... I'm glad that I'm anti-Scotland pro-North Korea on this story. You want to hear the very first sighting of Nessie? This will change a lot of people's minds if the elephant thing didn't change your mind. The very first sighting of Nessie. The very first documented sighting. A Christian missionary had gone to Scotland to preach to the natives up there. And they're rowing across the lake and the Loch Ness Monster appeared. And you're like, well, Jason, that's, that's, that's legit. Like, it doesn't matter if they're like native Scottish people or Christian missionary. And then he, in the name of Christ, compels the creature to leave them alone. And the creature, fearing the word of God, swims away. That's not true, right? And if it was true, then that's not a lock, then that's a demonic entity. It's definitely not a dinosaur. There was never a time where you'd be, I never saw that part in Jurassic Park where the T-Rex is coming towards the car and they all start making the sign of the cross and it goes, <sighs> so either Loch Ness Monster is a demonic entity or, and that story is true, or it's a dinosaur and it devoured everyone on that boat or just swam away and it was perfect timing. Look it up. I'll have it in the show notes. That's the very first sighting of Loch Ness Monster. People may go, oh, the natives, that was the first recorded sighting of the Loch Ness Monster. They prayed it went away. It's either a demon or it's totally made up. But you know what's not made up? <laughs> you know what? You know what I believe in is these reports from North Korea that it has more monsters per capita than any other lake ever. Again, how do you how how do you believe in that story if that's the first sighting of the creature? So, anyways, let's go ahead and move. On. That was that was a weird segment. It was oddly hostile too. Let's go. I do not like lake monsters, but uh, Heaven's Lake is pretty dope. Let's leave you. There's just utter silence in the carpenter copter. Even the blades don't want to make make a sound as we're taking off. Steroids and crack cocaine is kind of looking over the shoulder as I'm muttering in the corner. Oh, Loch Ness, I hate you so much. I'm going to wrap my hands around your giant demonic neck and strangle you. And steroids is like, uh, you okay back there, Jason? I was like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. Just don't fly over any lakes. You might end up in one. He's like, ah, we're fine. Now I'm just sitting in a darkened corner. We're flying off in the carbon copter. We're staying away from lakes. We're headed to, I, for all I know, Spriton is full of lakes. But we're headed to a little village in England known as Sprayton? Sprayton? And this story's called The Demon of Sprayton. But I better pick a pronunciation and stick with it. The Demon of Sprayton. It's November 1682. So let's land that carbon copter. Let's put on our old-timey clothes. We got some powdered wigs to walk around in. Got canes, little jackets with coattails. But anyways, they were going to meet a man. His name's Francis Fay, 20 years old. And he works for Philip Furs, which is a great name. He's a landowner. So we got Francis and Philip hanging out, doing old-timey stuff. Now, Francis is walking around the property, and then one day he sees Philip's dad, Papa Furs, is what we'll call him. Papa Furs walking around the property. Now, Francis kind of stops in his tracks. What? Because he knows that Papa Furs has been dead for a couple years now. But that's him. That's Papa. Dressed the same. Carrying the mole stick. He had this giant stick that he used to smash the heads open of moles. Not the ones on your back. But, you know, the ones that dig through your yard. And he turns around and he sees Francis. And he goes, ah, boy. So glad to see you here. Yes. But I'm going to stop doing this voice. 
because it gets annoying. I have a mission for you, Francis. You see, I have some unfinished business. There's two dudes in town that I each owe 10 shillings to. And then my sister, I owe 20 shillings to. I need you to repay them. Which, which to be fair, is the perfect way to settle your debts, right? Die, come back as a ghost, and make someone else pay them off. But Papa goes, Francis, listen. You gotta do this, otherwise I'm gonna haunt you. You gotta pay this money, otherwise I'm gonna be super spooky. I got this giant stick. Now, I may look like a ghost, I may look kind of see-through, but trust me, this stick can do some damage. Francis goes, well, you're gonna give me the money? No! No, I'm not gonna give you money. It's ghost money. I gave it to you, it just disappeared. Turn an ectoplasm in your pocket. But you gotta pay him back, and then I won't haunt you anymore. Now, Francis is probably thinking a couple things. One, I don't have 40 shillings right now, or for a while. Two, I didn't ask for this. I was just walking through the house, right? I just happened to know this guy, and I turned the corner, and he's sitting there with a giant stick, dead. Now he's (laughs) making me pay 40 shillings to people. And then, Papa Furs goes, oh, and just a word of warning. Like, I might be a spooky ghost, because I got this giant stick, and I just threatened you. But, my ex-wife is way spookier. Now, Francis goes, that doesn't make sense. He knew... He knew Papa Furs when he was alive, and he knew his wife. And he goes, what? Your wife's super nice, dude. Uh, She might have been nice, but she's not nice now. She's horrible. Oh, yeah, whatever. So Francis goes, that's probably just, you know, divorce isn't even good in the afterlife. He's probably just bitter. But I'll stay away from her grave? Like, what's he going to do, right? Try not to attract the attention of a crazy... Actually, and he was like, no, she was a pleasant woman. I think he's just kind of running his mouth. But he is able to get the shillings. He goes to the first guy in town and goes, hey... Papa Furs wants you to have these 10 shillings. Dude's like, oh, that's sweet. Goes to the second guy. Papa Furs wants you to have this 10 shillings. Ah, that's awesome. Goes to Papa's sister and says, Papa Furs' ghost visited me and wants you to know that he feels bad that he didn't pay you back. Here's 20 shillings. Now, the sister goes, I'm not taking that money. That's something that the devil would do. I'm not taking that money at all. Francis is like, oh, do you, dude, I'm going to be haunted for eternity if you don't take these stupid 20 coins. And no, no, I'm not doing it. Shut the door. He goes back to Papa Furs and says, hey, man, she's not taking this money. Can I keep it? And Papa's like, no, you can't keep it. Use it, buy her a ring. And then if she accepts that, I won't haunt you anymore. And he's like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So he goes, he buys her a ring worth 20 shillings, goes back to her, gives her the ring. She accepts it. Moral of the story Women love jewelry. So he did, she does accept it. So his mission is done. He is now totally fine with Papa Furs. He's no longer going to be hunted. He's leaving the sister's house. He's riding back to Spriton. And as he gets into town, multiple witnesses saw this. As he gets into town, the ghost of Papa Furs jumps onto the back of the horse, scaring both Francis and the horse. Papa Furs then wraps his arms around Francis, jumps off of the horse, still holding Francis. They fly into the air, crashing onto the ground. Off a moving horse, I must remind you, which is incredibly dangerous. Incredibly dangerous. Now, people in town are like, what in the world? They just see him basically go from riding a horse to watching a spectral figure of the damned jump on the horse, grab him, and they both go flying off. He crashes into the ground. Then the ghost jumps back on the horse. The horse takes a jump, jumps 20 feet, 
not straight up, don't get ridiculous, 20 feet horizontally. That is not the demon of Spriton. Papa Furs is not the demon referred to in the story. After Francis is like, what in the world just happened? I did what he said. I paid everyone off. He said he wasn't going to haunt me anymore. He almost murders me. Almost murders my horse. What's going on? But Papa Furs is never seen again. Now, all of this is cataloged in old town records. There was a letter written back when this was a contemporary event in the village of Sprayton. I know it's pronounced differently each time. I'm sorry. But this was contemporary records. This was written back then about these crazy events that was going on. But that's not even the beginning. That's not what they're referring to when they talk about the demon of Spriton. That's his ex-wife. Because after this is all done, she shows up. She's a shapeshifter. So most of the time, she'll just appear as a woman. But she would sometimes appear as a dog that would breathe fire. Once, this is a weird thing, and it kind of shows the weird physics difference between our reality and ghosts. So, and this, so this story is weird in that aspect. Francis and a bunch of other people are hanging out in a house, and the ghost of the ex-wife shows up and shapeshifts into a horse, which is not something that Francis wants to see anytime soon. So now there's a horse in the house. The horse then jumps out of a window. Now, obviously, the window, it's interesting because it's big enough for a horse to jump through, but it's made up of individual window panes. But when the horse jumps through the window, only a single pane breaks. Weird, weird physical thing. So was it the ghost really just passing through a single piece of glass, but it had an image of a giant horse? Like, that's how their minds perceived it. Interesting, then it just ran away. She was known to tear off Francis's clothes. He'd just be walking, doing his job. Oh, it's so fun being a servant. As long as I don't have to go into the horse table. Ah, ah, my clothes. His clothes would just be getting shredded. It would rip his wig off his head. Oh, give me that, give me that. I need that. I'm going to be a judge in a couple hours. No. It would also rip off other people's clothes, but all of the torment seemed to be focused on Francis. To this point. So other people would come to the house. They'd get their wigs, start flying around. Maybe their sleeve would get ripped. Francis one day was walking through the house. The the woman, the demon, grabbed his head. Tell me if this isn't a nightmare. Like, this is something that I hope never happens to me, or really anyone ever. Grabs him by the head, pulls him to the ground, is dragging him across the floor. So he's kicking and screaming. His hands are trying to grab at a force that isn't really even there. He just feels pressure on his head. He's slowly being dragged across the floor as he's screaming for help. And he's kind of able to look look a little bit. He's being dragged towards the bed. Now, there's a gap. It's not a very wide gap between where the bed is and the wall. And that's exactly where his head is going. And he feels these hands, these cold, icy hands, powerful strength, pulling him towards that gap. And then begins to squeeze his head in between the wall and the bed. This isn't your futon. This is an old-timey bed where the lightest materials were iron and oak. The bed was not budging, and neither was the wall. His head is getting wedged into this gap, and he's screaming for help. Eventually, 
I'm sure other people in the house, if they're like, oh, what is his wig? Is he screaming about his stupid wig getting pulled off again? They give him a couple minutes. They're like, hey, he's still screaming. Maybe his clothes got ripped off. I don't know. He's been screaming a long time. They run upstairs. They see his head stuck. It takes several of them to get his head unstuck. Again, they're not moving the bed. The bed probably weighs more than all of them put together. This is a very nice estate. This guy has a bunch of servants. These are all servants working here. So again, it's not just like some three little bears bed where you just er, not like their beds were garbage either they were actually probably pretty well made i wonder what the papa bear did for work but anyway obviously you can afford a house but anyways that's another topic i'll I'll do some research on that how much fairy tale characters made they finally get his head pulled out now because of his fright and the multiple injuries to his head they call for a doctor doctor gets there and he's all like uh all messed up So the doctor does what doctors do best back then, bloodletting. So they go, okay, we're going to cut your head. We're going to relieve some pressure because the dude was jacked up. It wasn't like this guy. They're like, oh, what a hypochondriac. He just loves having his blood pulled out of his body. No, he got his head put in a wedge, basically. It's that scene from Casino, except instead of a vice, it was a bed from the 1600s and a giant wall. They give him some bloodletting. And, you know, you, you cut, you let some blood out, you cut, you let some blood out and stuff like that. Now... They're cutting his arm, which is weird. You'd think he would relieve the pressure where it's coming from, but they'd cut his arm. I'm not a bloodletting specialist, and it didn't work, so I guess it doesn't matter where you do it. But anyways, they're cutting his arm, letting blood out and stuff like that, like, you know, air out of a tire. And then they bandage his arm up, and the doctor goes, well, I think you'll feel better now. The bandages then unfurl from his arm, wrap around his neck and start strangling him. As the doctor is, as the doctor is still there, he just put the bandages on this dude. All better. Here's your bill. He starts, and then of course the servants and the doctor have to help him not get suffocated by possessed bloody bandages. Now talk about a quick de-escalation before this thing really gets bad. Before it gets worse, before this thing really gets bad, his shoelaces come to life and and start moving around the floor like an eel. Which, in that case, I'd be like, oh, thank God that's all that's happening, right? Like, if all of a sudden your shoelaces popped off and they started doing the dance, you'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. It'd be terrifying. After having my head pulled into a tiny little compartment and then strangled with my own bandages, I'd be like, oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. Also, a barrel of salt walked away. That happened, too. Just... just wobbled and moved into another room. And that's a convenient haunting because maybe they wanted the salt in that room, right? Maybe somebody put the salt in the wrong place. Maybe everyone argued who brought the salt and set it down there in the first place. So now it's in the other room. That's perfect. But of course, things don't end that way. Francis is walking outside one day. Now this ghost is quite powerful. This is almost like something you'd see in a Looney Tune witch cartoon. An invisible force. He's walking through the field And a hand grabs the back of his coat, lifts him off the ground, and he flies away. Now, he's flying through the air like if someone grabbed you by your belt or by your waist and is just holding you up one-handed. So his arms and his legs are dangling. He's screaming for help. Not a single servant hears him. Or maybe they did, and they were just really, really tired of dealing with this stuff. But after about a half hour, they go, hey, wait a second, where's Francis? And the guy who heard it's like, uh... I have a feeling he may have been kidnapped by a ghost. They start looking for him. They find him at night 
waist deep in a bog, and he's dazed. Just singing a song in the dark forest, waist deep in a freezing cold swamp. Oh, great. Francis, dang it. I got dinner cooking. I got to come out here and get your... What's going to attack us? Is that tree going to attack us? You got some bandages on we don't know about? They don't take him to... Because he's definitely like... Something's wrong with it. The lower half of his body is frozen. Not like a big block of ice like Encino Man, but it's just cold to the touch. You don't have to be Encino Man to have a medical emergency. That's that's a little tip from Jason Carpenter. They take him to a major town. They take him to the closest town. So they're going to be seen by a doctor right now. And the doctor puts him in a little hospital room and goes, Oh, yep, I've seen this before. we got to take out blood. That's how we're going to do this. We're going to take out some blood. Slice. They're doing some bloodletting. Now, the next day, some of his friends, the, the remaining friends that he has. Sure, a lot of friends have left him during this. The remaining friends that he has show up. He's sitting there. His legs are feeling better. He has bandages on his arm instead of around his neck the way it's supposed to be. But he has a cut on his forehead. He has a gash. They go, what? That wasn't there last night. Like, you were in a bog. You're waist deep. You're singing some crazy song. How'd you get that gash? And Francis looks at him, just dead-eyed. Francis is just so done with it at this point. He looks at him and goes, dude, I'm sitting here in the hospital room, right? I've got these bandages. I keep looking at my bandages every 20 seconds. Did it move? Did it move? And then a bird. (laughs) A bird flew into my hospital room with a rock in its mouth and then threw it at me. Threw the rock at me. Not just dropped it. Straight up like cranked its neck back to get some momentum and threw it at me and threw it at me so hard. Put a gash in my forehead. And the friends are like, that is ridiculous. And Francis is like, You'll find the rock in here. What's weird is the friends looked all over the hospital room. I don't know if that's the proper term back then. I think it was just a room that a doctor had been in. But anyways, they look all over the room. They find no rock. What they find is a piece of bronze. So this bird didn't come. The bird didn't, even if it was an accident. It's not like the bird was like, chirp, 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 chirp. Sees a rock. Picks it up, is flying, and then goes, no, I don't want this, and throws it. It was a piece of bronze. It was a super heavy metal that a bird was flying around with and threw at this dude and cut his head. This letter, this article in the town records that talks about this whole thing, the the letter ends like this, quote, This is a faithful account of the contents of a letter from a person of quality in Devon, dated 2nd of May, 1683. The young man will be 21 if he lives to August next. So even the person writing this record is like, this dude is not going to be 21 years old, dude. This dude is toast. Something is going to kill this guy. And the thing is, we don't know how this story ended. We don't know if he made it to be 21. We don't know if the demon would continue to be sighted. It's definitely seemed to be focused on him. It wasn't like a town demon that these legends would still continue. But apparently, this stuff happened. Now, again, there's obvious that this could... Let's look at some rational explanations. Obvious this is an internet hoax. I've found this letter in a couple different places and things like that. But it's always possible that it's a hoax. we got to address that. But it's also possible that it is a true account of a young man who just happened to be walking through the house one day, ended up owing a bunch of people money, and even after taking care of his obligations, got attacked by not one, but two ghosts. One 
a demonic entity that's pulling people into gas. That's stuff you see in horror movies. Or, again, crime movies. Or read about it in newspapers. Having your head wedged into a space that's too tight. So the next time you are walking through your house, be careful what hallway you look down. You may see a former employer standing there. And you may also be requested to go through these events. However, if you thought what he went through was bad, imagine having to go to people's houses and owing them money during a worldwide quarantine. Or even worse, being attacked by a ghost in your own house when everyone is isolated. If your head got wedged into an impossibly tight space, would anyone ever hear your cries? Or when the quarantine is lifted and things return to normal, would people wonder what happened to you? Would someone eventually do a welfare check and find your body squeezed into a tiny spot? It would leave a lot of questions Some would never be answered, but we would know that maybe you were also visited by a demonic ex-wife. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is your daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Be safe, be kind. I love you guys, and I will see you later. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.